Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary Port St. Lucie. Let's join lead pastor Mike Wiggins with the message, The Secret Place. All right, well, last week, if you were with us, we looked at a day in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, a day that was filled, if you remember, with stuff like preaching to people, uh, delivering the demonized, healing the hurting, and also ministering to the masses. And so wherever Jesus went, we saw this last week, he was always making a big impact on people. Now, now what you need to know is that the Lord didn't just come to make an impact on first century Israel. He came to make an impact on every single generation for the last 2,000 years. In fact, he came to make an impact on you personally. And so, man, if you're you're just part of a religion and you've never been personally impacted by Christ and your religion has gone to a relationship, then you're missing out on everything that has to do with Christianity. Okay, so that was last week. This week, we're going to switch gears and we're going to talk about the prayer life of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we make our way through Mark, we're going to see this, that the Lord had a very busy schedule. Can Anybody relate to that this morning? I mean, the Lord's schedule was packed. He was always traveling. He was always ministering. He had all these appointments. He was meeting with people. He was healing people. Uh, On and on and on. And as a man, you need to know that the Lord became tired, and the Lord just plain got worn out. And so if you're taking notes, here's your first note. It's just a reminder. And that is that Jesus was fully God, say fully God, God. but he was also fully man, and as a man, he became depleted, and so as you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, never forget, yes, Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man, and so after these very long days of pouring himself out to, to, to sacrifice for others and minister to others, uh, pouring himself out for the sake of others, what you need to know is that as a man, he became exhausted. And so what did the Lord do in order to replenish himself, to replenish that inner man? Okay, we're gonna find out now in verse 35. Chapter one, verse 35. It says, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, He departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he did what? He prayed. And so once again, the the previous day was a really busy day. The Bible says that the people of Capernaum came out in droves, that Peter or Andrew or whoever owned, um, uh, well, Peter or Andrew or whoever was in the house um, that night opened the door, you remember this? I think it was in verse 33, and they look out and the whole city was in the front yard. (laughs) and neighbor's yards, and down the street. And so what did Jesus do? He went out there, and he ministered to all these people. And no doubt, it must have taken hours. And so after hours of ministry, he became exhausted. So once again, what did he do to replenish himself? Well, the first thing that he did is he went to bed. Okay, did you notice that in verse 35? It says that he got up. What does that mean? That means that the night before, he went to bed. Now, I'm not an expert on sleep, um, but I do know um, that sleep is very important for our um, overall health and general well-being. 
Okay, I read, I read a, an article a couple weeks ago, and they're saying now that um, they think that seven hours is like that optimal time uh, to, to try to get every single night. And so I'm not an expert. You can Google it, and you can uh, look at it yourself. But what I do know is that Jesus was a man. And so because Jesus was a human being, he went to bed at night. Sometimes in the, in the Gospels, you see that he took a nap during the day. Why? Because he replenished himself Outwardly, he replenished himself physically, and that was important. But once again, what did Jesus do to replenish his, replenish his inner man or his soul? It says in verse 35 that he found a quiet place, and he went out, and he prayed. And so that morning, I want you to kind of be there in Peter and Andrew's new home in Capernaum, and it's dark outside. It's early morning hours, and, and Jesus' eyes wake, um, open up. And so he knew right then, I need to spend time with the Father. Is that the first thing that's on your mind when you wake up in the morning? I need to connect with my dad, my Abba Father. And Jesus knew that he could not do that in Peter's house that morning. Why? Because pretty soon, you know, um, uh, Peter's mother-in-law is going to get up and start making breakfast. Pretty soon, uh, the disciples are going to get up and they're going to start talking Pretty soon, there's gonna be a knock at the door and there's the whole city again asking for Jesus. There's no way that he could connect with his father in a meaningful way staying in that house. So he had to get out. I mean, have you ever felt like you need to get away? That's how Jesus felt. So what did he do? He tiptoed over the snoring disciples and he went over to the door. He opened it ever so gently and he walked outside and he closed it. And the good news is there's nobody home, um, outside in the yard. And so he went somewhere, we're not sure where, out to a special place where he could connect with his father. Now let me just make a quick observation before we go back. And that is that some Christians believe that because Jesus got up early in the morning to pray that all Christians in all ages have to get up early in the morning in order to have their devotions. But you need to understand something that this passage, this verse, verse 35, is not a prescriptive verse, it is a descriptive verse. Okay, so let me explain when it comes to interpreting the Bible. There are, there's a difference between descriptive verses and prescriptive verses. All right, prescriptive verses are when you're reading the Bible and there's a command for you to do something. Descriptive verses is when you're reading the Bible and it describes what somebody has done. For example, when it comes to prayer, the Apostle Paul says, therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Who wrote that? The Apostle Paul. Paul was an apostle, therefore he had authority over the church. Not only that, more importantly, the Holy Spirit inspired him to write what he wrote to young Timothy, the pastor of the church in Ephesus. And so Paul, being an apostle, writes this prescriptive verse. In other words, it's a command for all Christians in all ages to pray. And in the very next verse, he tells us, who we should be praying for. He says for kings and everybody who's in authority that we may live a quiet, um, uh, respectful uh, life uh, with all godliness and integrity. 
And so this passage is a command for us to pray. But as you look at that passage, Christian, let me ask you a question. Do you see anything in there as far as what time of day to pray, yes or no? No. So let me give you an example of a descriptive verse on prayer. It's our passage today. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Okay, so this passage, what is it doing? This passage is describing how Jesus decided to pray on that particular day, early in the morning. But you need to know as you continue to read through the Gospels, sometimes Jesus prayed in the morning. Sometimes he prayed during the day. Sometimes he prayed at night. Sometimes the Lord prayed all night long. By the way, I tried that one time. It didn't go very well. <laughs> but do you guys see what I'm saying? In the Bible, there's prescriptive verses and there's descriptive verses. And as you're reading through in your devotions, you need to, dis uh, uh, to distinguish between the two. One will say, hey, Christian, do this. Prescriptive. The other is, hey, Christian, they did that. That's descriptive. And while I'm on the subject of hermeneutics, let me just say also, as you're reading through the Bible um, in your devotions, make sure also that you can distinguish between what was written to the Jews who were under the law and what's written to Christians who are now under grace. That's important too. Because you may be having your devotions in Leviticus on a Sunday morning. And if you don't understand the difference between passages that are for Jews under the law and passages that are for Jews and Gentiles in the church age under, the, under grace, you know, you may bring an animal sacrifice to church on Sunday morning, <laughs> right? Or, or you may go to uh, Cheddar's and have some barbecue pork chops and, and feel guilty because I ate swine. No, listen, as you're reading through the Old Testament, a lot of that stuff were for Jews in that dispensation, and they have nothing, please say nothing, <laughs> nothing to do with us. And so make sure as you're reading through the scriptures that you rightly divide the word of truth. Now when it comes to prayer, I love spending time with God in the morning. There's advantages to spending time with God in the morning. Okay, the first advantage, if you're taking notes, is that, at least for me, my mind is fresh in the morning. Especially after I've had a big mug of coffee. <laughs> you know, coffee's a very important subject in the Bible. They devoted a whole book to it. Have you ever read Hebrews? Hebrews, right? <laughs> it's very important. It's there, it's right there. I don't know how you coffee drinkers don't do this, okay? So I love hanging out with the Lord in the morning. Why? Because my mind is fresh. If I try to have my devotions at night, you know, in the beginning was the word, and the word was in my head is bobbing because I'm not at my best. How many of you guys want to give God your best? Okay, so if you're a morning person, give him the first part of your day. Don't give God your leftovers, the second thing I love to do is I love in the mornings to pray through that day's events. That's important because if I don't do that, here's what I'm saying to God. Hey, I got this. I can do this on my own. I'm not gonna do that, are you kidding me? And so I, for example, Tuesday is one of my busiest days of the week and so I'll, I'll get up early on Tuesday, 
I'll hang out with the Lord and I'll go through the entire day and I'll, I'll just commit, you know, a lot of meetings for me on Tuesday. So Father, I commit this meeting to you. This is your church, this is not my church. Please intervene, um, guide our conversation, help us to make decisions according to your will. Help us not to get out of your will. And God, I got lunch with this person uh, this afternoon, and so please give me the words to say. And then I got a coffee appointment later on. Give me the words to say. And then uh, when I get home and in my office, help me, Lord, as I begin to think about the next weekend's message. And then that night, Tuesday night, um, the Lord uh, led me personally. I have a, a bachelor's in biblical studies, and I have a master's in counseling. But the Lord, even at my age, led me back and now I'm getting a second master's degree in theology. So on Tuesday nights, I'm like, you know, Tuesday mornings, Lord help me um, as I study that at night so I can become more effective as a pastor and rightly divide the word of truth. And, and why? Because I need God. I need his intervention. And so I pray through all that specifically. And then number three, I, I, I like to pray in the mornings because I need, I need power before the day begins. And so I asked the Lord, God, please fill me with your spirit. Yes, I was baptized with the Holy Spirit in 1984, but I need to be filled, refilled every day to overflowing. And so, Lord, do that in my life this morning as I wait at your feet. Now, you may not be a morning person. You may be a night owl let me ask, how many morning people are here? Raise your hands. I could tell 9 a.m. service, right? How many, how many night people we got? Night owls. Yeah, we got a few. And so you may be a night owl. The other night we had a family over, and the family was there, and we were having a great time, and it, soon it was like 11, 11.30. And the night owls in our family, they were laughing and talking loud at that time after 11 p.m., and I'm a morning person. I have nothing left to give after 11 o'clock. <laughs> and so what was I doing? Was there laughing and talking loud? I was just smiling and as my eyes are glazing over, right? <laughs> Trying to be as nice as I can be. And so maybe you're a night owl. And, and you know, if, if that is your best time, some of you guys, 10 o'clock at night, you're just getting started. You feel great. All right, spend time with the Lord then. Remember, give him the best part of your day. And the primary point here that I'm trying to make is that it's not when we pray, it's that we pray, amen? amen? All right, we're not sure exactly where Jesus went. It just says in verse 35, he went to a desolate place. I like to call it the secret place. This is a place where there's no distractions. Jesus had to get away. And so he found this Secret place, somewhere out in the woods. And there's, he connected with his father. And he got strength from the father. He got encouragement from the father. He got direction from the father. And so what is the secret place? If you're taking notes, it's a special place where we can pray without distractions and receive strength and encouragement and direction from God. First of all, it's a special place. In other words, it can be any place that's special to you. Maybe it's a private room in your home. Maybe it's on your back porch. 
Maybe it's for some of you who are gardeners. It's out in your garden in the backyard. You take a lawn chair, you go out to your rose garden or whatever, and you sit in the presence of God. Maybe it's a beach. Maybe it's a lovely park. Um, Maybe it's down by a lake somewhere. Maybe you like going over to Oxbow and just walking out there. Where any place can be a secret place, but ladies and gentlemen, it's got to be a place where there's no distractions. What does that mean? That means that when your phone and your pocket's buzzing, you're not constantly, as you're trying to connect with the Father, looking at it and looking at it and looking at it. There's no distraction where you close your laptop as you're spending time with God. There's no distractions from social media. You know, bing, oh, oh, another Facebook update from somebody. That doesn't happen in the secret place. That, that dishonors God. No distractions, no TV, just you. Just you and the Lord. And by the way, there's no distraction from family members. And you know, I may step on some toes this morning, but I, I wanna help you. Some, some of you have little kids and you say, this is impossible, I cannot spend time with God. There's little kids everywhere. Here, can I encourage you, moms and dads? Who's the parent, who's the kids? Put them in their room, give them something they like to do, and go find your secret place. Yeah, but they're, they're running back out. Who's the parent, who's the kids? Discipline them. Can we say the word discipline? <laughs> Boy, that's a lost art in our culture today. <laughs> discipline them. You're the boss, they're the kids. I don't understand when sometimes parents take their kids to our, our children's ministry and the kids are, are blowing a, a gasket. I don't wanna go in there. That's exactly where they need to be. And what does mom or dad say? Okay, and they bring them over into the worship center. And they're four years old. And what are they doing? Oftentimes they're distracting 20 people around them from hearing the word of God. Who's the parent? Who's the kids? Right? And so it's the same thing when it, when it comes to your secret place. There are no excuses. You can connect with God in a meaningful way every single day, but there's no distractions from family members. And there's no distraction from spouses. My wife and I pray together every single night before we go to bed. And by the way, that's a good, that's a good um, practice in case you have an argument that day. You gotta get it right before you go to sleep. <laughs> and so we refuse to go to bed unless I grab her hand and I, she grabs my hand and we pray together. But then in the mornings, she goes off to her secret place and I go off to my secret place. Why? Because she needs to connect with God one-on-one and I need to connect with God one-on-one as well. And so it's a special place where we can pray without distractions to receive strength and encouragement. And how many of you guys need strength and encouragement in your walk with God, right? Okay, but you're neglecting the secret place. You gotta make a commitment to this. And um, direction from God, but it's a place where you receive strength and you receive encouragement. Life has a way of wearing us out. We go, 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 right? There's uh, meetings and there's schedules and there's deadlines and there's problems. How many of you guys know there's a new problem every day? Every single day, every single week, something's happening, somebody's upset, somebody got offended, somebody's leaving the church, whatever, okay? And so every single day there's problems. 
And, and every single day there's deadlines, and every single day there's so much to do. I have a lot to do, you have a lot to do. And so what, what does that mean? That means that we desperately need the secret place. When we're busy, we need to pray all the more. Amen, <laughs> right? All the more. If you're driving down the road in your car and your gas gauge is on empty, what do you guys do? Tell me. You pull over and you fill up the tank. Some of you guys treat your cars better than you treat yourselves. And you're going down the road of life and your mental, emotional, and spiritual gauge is on empty and you just keep going and going and going. And let me tell you something, at some point you're gonna have a breakdown. You need the secret place. You need to pull over into a secret place and let Jesus Christ fill you with his power and presence and peace. Why? Because Jesus said this, if you're uh, taking notes, Matthew 11, come to me. Come to me. Did you hear the word of Jesus this morning to you? He's waiting for some of you. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. That's soul rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so the Lord wants you to find that secret place. Today has got to be a day of decision for some of you who've been neglecting the secret place, who've been neglecting the daily devotions. Today needs to be a day of commitment where you say, Father, I'm gonna, uh, with your help, try starting tomorrow every single day to find a secret place and connect with you. Whether it's in the morning, if that works best, in the afternoon, if that works best, or in the evening, I just know I need strength, I need encouragement, I need direction, and so I'm making that commitment. Today needs to be a day of, of decision for some of you. And what you'll find is that you'll no longer um, unconsciously say to God, I can do life by myself, but now you're saying, God, I'm dependent upon you, and I absolutely need you. And when you are, have that kind of attitude, get out of the way, because God's going to show up. And he's going to bless you. He's going to bless your marriage. He's going to bless your family. He's going to bless your career. He's going to bless what you do. Because you're letting God work. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. And you say, well, what should I do in the secret place? I'm gonna give you a quick acronym. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this. But I, 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 I say it's CATS, so I, you can remember it. Confession, adoration, Thanksgiving, and supplication. Now, some of you have memorized it in previous years as ACTS, A-C-T-S. How many of you guys remember that acronym? Yeah, um, I changed it in my own personal life because I like to confess before I adore. Because the Bible says that if we regard iniquity in our heart, the Lord will not hear us. And I want him to hear my adoration and my worship. And so I confess to the Lord. By the way, I, I try not to wait till my devotions. I try to keep short accounts with God. So the moment I'm aware that I've just sinned, you know, Lord, I was pretty rude to that person. Will you? And I confess it. And I go to the person and confess it. Keep short accounts with God. But confession is very important. And then um, there's A for adoration. 
And so that means that one-on-one in the secret place, you're worshiping the Lord. Maybe that means you, you, you download a, a, a praise and worship songs into your phone and you put on your headphones and you sing to the Lord out in your secret place. Maybe that means that you go to a psalm. I did this this morning in my secret place. I went to Psalm uh, 103 and I began under adoration to say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless your holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Listen to this. Who forgives all your iniquities. Father, thank you for giving all my sins. Who heals all your diseases. Thank you, Father, for giving me good health. Who redeems your life from the pit. Thank you, Father, I never have to worry about hell because Jesus paid it all. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. God, thank you for your love. It never fails. And your mercy that's new every morning who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I keep seeing the word eagle in the Bible. (laughs) Is that a word of prophecy for tonight? I don't know. (laughs) But you see what I'm doing? I'm adoring the Lord from his word, from Psalms. And that's important, that we adore Christ. And not only that, then you go to thanksgiving. So here's what I like to do. Maybe you do something else. But in the mornings, I like to go back 24 hours and I like to purposely thank the Lord for each thing that he did in the previous day. Do you know what that does in your mind and heart? It helps you to stop griping and complaining like the children of Israel in the wilderness. It changes your griping and complaining into an attitude of gratitude. As you say, God, thank you for the food yesterday that I ate. Thank you for this beautiful home that you've blessed me with. Thank you, God, for the fact that you know, I can get to point A to point B in a, in a, in a car. God, I wanna thank you for showing up in that meeting and giving me wisdom and helping me um, to, to lead in that meeting or whatever it might be for you. Here's what I know. I've been to the mission field a lot of times. I've been to Mexico. I've been to Ecuador several times. I've been to Haiti several times. I see how most of the world lives. And when I come back to America, I make sure that I say thank you, God, for blessing us with your grace in such a beautiful country. Attitude of gratitude. And then supplication, so we've thanked God for the last 24 hours and now we're going through our schedule that day and we're giving those things to the Lord in the secret place. Cats. How many cat lovers do we have here tonight? Uh, this morning. I'm going to pray for you. (laughs) Oh, I got to be careful. (laughs) Let me just say this. Okay, so, you know, the cat, and this has been my experience. Maybe your cats are awesome. And by the way, a lady literally attacked me for saying things about cats yesterday, so I hope you'll leave me alone. But in my my experience, um, you know, cats, when they're they come and rub their fur all hair all over your leg. Just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when, you, when, when I fed my cats, then after I feed them, you know, I'm sitting on the couch. I'm like, here, kitty, kitty, kitty. And they're like, I ain't coming to you. <laughs> dog's all over you. The cat's like somewhere else. Someone's trying to break in your house. And the dog's like, rah, 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 rah. And the cat's just sitting there. Hey, dude. <laughs> you got some food? You like my hair? You know? Come on. What's up with this, right? I don't get it. Okay, so 
So I don't get hate emails. You cat lovers, just, just tell me one thing that's positive so we can end on a positive note about cats. What? They're sophisticated, yeah. Self-sufficient, yeah. I'm not saying that. Somebody told me, somebody told me, um, you know, they keep rodents away. Yeah, that's an awesome thing when you open your front door and you're like, there, there's a sacrifice, you know, a little <laughs> mouse. Anyway, anyway, so hopefully now you'll never forget cats, okay? All right, verse 36. I better get back to preaching, so. It says that Jesus was out in the desolate place. If you're looking at verse 36, say amen. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him, and they said to him, everyone is looking for you. Lord, what are you doing out here in the woods all by yourself? Everybody's looking for you. You see what ha what's happening? Jesus' busy schedule is pulling on him again. Come on, come on, let's go, let's go, chop, chop. We gotta go. But here's the good news. Jesus had been in the secret place, and he had received strength encouragement and power from his father. And so now he's ready to go. Okay, but notice how he answers the disciples. It's, it's, I'll paraphrase it. Hey, I'm ready to go, but we're not gonna go where you think we should go, disciples. We have another plan. Okay, so look at it now. Um, in verse 38, he said, and he said to them, let us go on to the, what? Next towns. Not here in Capernaum. We're done here for today. Let's go to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Very important point. And that is while Jesus was in the secret place, he received specific direction from the Holy Spirit. That's important. You don't just receive strength and encouragement from the Lord in the secret place, you also receive direction from the Holy Spirit. Hey guys, we're not gonna stay in Capernaum. We're gonna go to the next towns so I can preach there also. All right, here's a very important principle, and that is this, that God gives us his word for general direction in life, but he gives us his spirit for specific direction in life. And how does the Holy Spirit lead us? By his peace. I wanna give you an example, marriage. The Bible says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. That means if you're dating an unbeliever, you need to stop, you need to break it off. If you're engaged to an unbeliever, you need to give the ring back. And the Bible says, don't, be unequally yoked with unbelievers. That's general direction. Okay, and by the way, anyone can talk the talk. How many of you guys know talk is cheap? It's how they walk the walk. Jesus said, by their fruits you shall know them. And so they may say, yeah, I'm a Christian, so they can get you. And then when they get you, they're not going to church anymore, they're not praying anymore, they're not doing any of that stuff, why? Because they were never a believer to begin with. 
So if you're dating or engaged, make sure you look at their walk more than you hear their talk. Okay, so be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. You say, I'm already married to one. Do I need to get a divorce? No. You need to stay and listen to Peter's advice. You need to pray, you need to be an example. You need to stop preaching at the poor person and just live your life in front of them and maybe God will bring that person to the Lord. But the marriage covenant is a marriage covenant that can only be broken through abandonment by an unbeliever or adultery. Okay, and so listen to the general direction of the word of God. Be not unequally yoked with unbelievers, okay? But there's lots of believers in the world. So what do we need? Specific direction. Where do we get that? The Bible's not gonna say, marry John, okay? But the Holy Spirit might say that in your heart. You see what I'm saying? And he uses, he uses his peace. Check out Colossians 3.15. Paul says, and let the peace of God, what's the word there? Rule, rule in your hearts. The word rule in the Greek means to be an umpire, to direct and to control. And so this peace is not an overall sense of well-being. Everything's going great in my life, you know. No, the peace is, if you're with me, say amen here. Listen to this. It's a strong spiritual impression that you can feel in your heart. You say, I don't experience that very often. Are you in the secret place every day? Because that's where that is cultivated. And so sometimes the Holy Spirit plays the role of an umpire in our lives. Why? To give us direction in the game of life. Okay, so just like an umpire is back there behind the batter, he's got his mask on, you know, his strike, ball, right? Or safe, or you're out, right? So the Holy Spirit acts like an umpire in our lives. He's back behind us, he's got our backs. Love you. Yes. No. I said no. Right? Or how about this one? Wait. Ooh, we hate, hate hearing that one. But how does, how does the umpire direct us? Through his peace. And it rules inside of our hearts. And so if a player, if a batter is obedient to the umpire, he's easy to, to, to direct. But if that batter gets willful and upset and stubborn, you know, strike. That's not a strike. You ever see these guys and they're going at it like to each other's faces? Well, that player's hard to direct. In the same way, if a Christian is obedient to the umpire, then you're easy to direct. But if you get willful and you get an attitude and you get angry at God because of something going on in your life, here's what I know the Holy Spirit doesn't do. He will not scream at you. How many of you guys understand the Lord is a gentleman? He doesn't push his will on anybody. And so he may say, okay, you wanna be that way? Have it your way. I call Christians who have to have it their way Burger King Christians, okay? <laughs> have it your way. And the Lord's like, okay, you wanna take your ball and go home? I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna move. I'm gonna always be here, I'll always love you. And I wanna direct your game. I'm speaking to someone this morning. I wanna direct your game, I'm always here. But if you wanna take your ball and you wanna walk out of the park, 
well, let's see how well that goes for you. And so the Lord wants to be an umpire. So what do we have to do? We have to come to a place where we can say like Jesus in the garden, Lord, not my will, your will be done. I want this stuff so bad, God, I want this thing so bad, but I wanna, in the secret place, I want you to help me to get to a place of neutrality where I can take it or leave it, I really want your will, and then God, what does he do? He directs us with his peace. All right, so we're gonna finish the chapter in like three minutes here. Uh, We're gonna go on to the leper, and then we'll be done. But stay with me to the end, okay? And we'll tie it all up. It says in verse 40 that the leper came to him, and imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Okay, so this guy's got Hansen's disease. It's, according to the Oxford Dictionary, a contagious disease that affects the skin, The nerves, it causes discoloration, it causes lumps on your skin, Uh, it causes disfigurement and deformities eventually. So Hansen's disease, very rare in the United States today, um, pretty prevalent in Bible times. And so back then, if you got Hansen's disease or leprosy, what happens is that it would disfigure your body and eventually it would take your life. Uh, Leprosy would attack the nerves and so it caused numbness in the fingers and the toes. And so what these guys would literally do is that they would wrap their outer extremities. They'd wrap their hands and their feet. Why? Because they couldn't feel them anymore. And they didn't want the rats to come at night and chew off their toes. They'd wrap it up. This guy's skin is rotting. I'm telling you this, not to gross you out, but so you can understand who's coming to Jesus. And he breaks all the rules because back then, by law, if you're a leper and someone's coming to you, you gotta shout, unclean, and you gotta go on the other side of the road because you're so contagious. You had to live in a leper colony as an outcast. This guy breaks all the rules. He comes to Jesus, he kneels down before Jesus, and he says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, what do you think Jesus is gonna say? Verse 41, moved with pity. Don't you love our Lord? He stretched out his hand and he touched him and said, I will be clean. And immediately, this is a crazy, amazing, the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. And he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone but go and show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded, that's Leviticus 14, by the way, if you wanna read it later, for a proof to them. But he, in verse 45, went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. So again, picture it in your mind. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Flesh is rotting, and Jesus touches this guy, he's contagious. And he says, I'm willing, be clean. And then, rotting flesh instantly turns to baby smooth skin. Here's your last point, if you're taking notes. Sin, in your life, in my life, has the same effect on us as leprosy. You may be here this morning 
and you're allowing some sin to continue on in your life. I'm not gonna try to be the Holy Spirit. You already are thinking about it right now, if it's you. I'm, I'm telling you, listen, it'll disfigure your soul like leprosy disfigures the body. It'll hurt you. Why would you allow your soul to become disfigured? You say, what should I do? Do what the leper did. Go to Jesus, go to the secret place, the repentance and faith and say, Lord, if you're willing, make me clean. Now here's what the Lord's gonna say. He's gonna say, I will be clean. It's always God's will to forgive our sins. Listen, if Jesus was willing to hang half naked on a cross to pay for our sins, do, do we not understand that he's willing to forgive all our sins? But you gotta go to him in repentance and faith. You gotta admit it and quit it. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a great savior we have. What a great savior we have. So here's how we're gonna end this service and pretty much all services in the future unless the Lord leads differently. In a moment, I'll close in prayer and you guys will be dismissed. But if you're here today and you need ministry, as people are leaving, we'll have partners, prayer partners, elders. We'll have them here up at the front. And so this platform after every service is changed into an altar. I ask that the people who are leaving be respectful of those who are coming for prayer, coming for ministry. Maybe you want the help of a prayer partner or an elder, you can just come and ask. Maybe you just wanna pray alone. We'll respect that completely. But I wanna encourage you, because some of you need me to make a commitment that tomorrow starts the day, every day in the secret place. Confessing, adoring, thanking, and giving God your supplications. Some of you maybe need to come and, and start your relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you don't even know if you've started a relationship with Jesus Christ. I wanna ask those of you um, who need to take that step to come to the middle section. There'll be an elder or two that would love to explain to you how you can know that Jesus is absolutely 100% your savior and heaven is absolutely your home and you can start your relationship with Jesus. Others of you have physical ailments or issues that you need prayer over confidentially, we're available. So I'm just making it available. We'll make it available after every service and you come if you need to. Please stand for prayer as the prayer partners and elders come forward. Don't forget if you're visiting to stop and get your free gift on the way out today in the foyer at the next steps area. And then also those of you who wanna sign up for a topical group, also go to the next steps area right over here to the south part of our foyer and talk to somebody on Pastor Jacob's team. They'll get you signed up today. So Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you are a giver and not a taker. Lord, help us to connect with you on a daily basis and become all that you want us to be. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. All God's people said. Love you guys. One of the greatest gifts God can give his children is the assurance of their salvation. If you're not sure where you stand with God, we want to help. Visit our website at calvarypsl.com. Click on I'm new here, then knowing Christ.